this evening, we're actually going to be in a, a few different passages. It's actually, um, it's actually a passage found in multiple Gospels. And um, I, I kind of, uh, we've, we've got the time for it and whatnot. We'll actually read these passages in the different Gospels to just give you an idea of, of what's taking place. Um, it's always a, a blessing to be able to see the different perspectives of the same account um, between the different Gospels. It doesn't mean that they're inaccurate. Um, they're explained and expressed in different ways, um, and they're as truthful as uh, as the rest. Um, it's kind of one of those things. When you have a, a doctor write about and describe the events of what take place, um, uh, and then you have someone like me, I guarantee it's going to be two different things, it almost seems like. And I know um, there's there's plenty of times you can talk to police officers and detectives. They'll take down reports from a crowd, and you could have ten of the same people stand and watch the exact same thing and they will each give a personal individualized um, description of what took place that report and the funny thing is there's never two that are the same exactly and in fact i've always heard the expression that if you actually have two uh two reports that are written exactly the same usually there's something a little fishy going on and they they rehearsed they rehearsed that report um so that's that's it's one of those fa- those funny things that a lot of people try to say. Oh, well, Matthew says this, and then you've got John that it says it exactly this way. Well, it'd be a little fishy if they said it exactly verbatim um, like each other. That that variance, it's that natural variance that we have between people and perspectives. And and good night. Who knows? One of the guys might have been colorblind or something. I don't know. Um, so. Uh, this is actually a passage I love reading, and whenever, um, whenever with Bible reading and that kind of stuff, these passages come up um, this, of this account, I always get really excited. Um, we're going to be jumping between Luke 8, Mark, uh, Matthew 9, and Mark 5. Um, you, can, you can pick one of them you'd like, um, or just kind of listen to them. It's, it's close enough to where they're, they're similar to each other. Uh, Luke eight forty three. Luke eight forty three says this, and a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living up, up upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately uh, her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, "Who touched me?" When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody uh, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she had not hid, was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people of, that co- of what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Matthew nine twenty to twenty two it's a bit shorter and it says and behold a woman which is was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment 
For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Mark five twenty-five and 34 says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I, but, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about to, uh, in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. This this passage here, I, I don't know what it is about this passage particularly. I, I can't relate to this woman in the sense of having a great plague, spending a fortune or a, a massive savings on, on finding an, an ailment. But when I read this passage, I, I'm always just so encouraged. Um, and, and when it comes to faith, this is one of those passages that I, I think that this woman, um, she displays uh, faith um, in such a way that that is just amazing. That is um, something to admire, something to look to. Um, and uh, I mean, honestly, we look at uh, those that display faith throughout the, the scriptures and even uh, the centurion being the only man that Jesus marveled at his faith. I, I feel like this woman was a, a close runner-up in that sense. And I just, I always love to, to read this passage here and, and just be able to, to think and, and try to put myself in that situation, almost as if I was, was Peter there and, and Christ was asking me, who touched me? It's like, I don't, don't look at me, I, I didn't do it. And it's, it's just funny to, to think about the situation and, and try to put yourself in there. Um, but we're actually going to look at one of the greatest miracles that not only is found in scriptures, but the miracle that we should experience throughout our life called faith. Because faith itself is a miracle. Faith itself is a miracle. And shouldn't shouldn't for a second be taken for granted. Um, in fact, when you start talking about faith and, and this woman finding healing even with Jesus Christ, there's a there was a few things that kind of came to mind when I when I started thinking about this, and it reminded me of a, a man that was actually born in Germany in 1946. This, this, this young man immigrated as a young child with his family. There's not much information about how he grew up or if he was religious at all. 
but he got involved with religious services. And in his late 30s, he started a thriving ministry helping people. When he was in his early 40s, an investigation ensued by a man named James. This man, with his colleague, discovered that Peter Popoff was receiving radio signals from his wife with the information about the crowd that was there that night in the services. Peter and his fellow laborers not only exploited people on stage through his crusades, but sold miracle spring water. I don't know if you know anything about Peter Popoff, and it's kind of a funny thing to mention, but as I as I'd said, Peter Popoff had his wife in the crowd in this church service, and she would get to know people in the crowd and uh, guests that seemed to have nothing to do with, with the service, and uh, m- almost miraculously, Peter Popoff would be able to, to pick up names out of a crowd of strange, complete strangers and information about them. Oh, this person had an ailment. This person has a limp. This person has this issue. And he'd be able to pick it out of the crowd almost as if he was psychic in a sense. But it was simply his wife incognito feeling the crowd and and getting to know who was there. That's not the type of miracle that we find here in the scriptures. We have something genuine and honest. And in fact, um, when you start talking about people like Peter Popoff and these these miracle faith healers, I'm not trying to trying to be mean or anything. I think it's a very dangerous thing to give people false hope or put uh, encourage people to put hope in the wrong things. Um, no one should have faith in me, but everyone here should have faith in Christ. And Paul describes how he wants people to follow him as he follows Christ. He was, he, Paul is not the goal. I should not long to be like Paul, but I should long to be like Christ, whom he himself longs to be like one day. In fact, it also reminded me of Benny Hinn, uh, part of the assembly of God, and, and no doubt... <laughs> Uh, with with so much controversy, it's it's been kind of proven um, uh, that with fraud and controversy swarming around him for such a long time. In fact, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Benny Hinn just even a few years ago had claimed that if you send him a thousand dollars, you will be miraculously being taken out of debt. I don't think that's how credit paying off your credit works. I don't think that's how mortgages work. I'm I'm glad I'm not uh, really following in that. But even Benny Hinn recently, after saying such a thing, he has announced, um, and this is actually a quote from him, I think it's an offensive uh, offense to the Lord. It is an offense to say, give $1,000. I think it's an offense to the Holy Spirit to place a price on the gospel. I'm done with it. I will never again ask you to give 1000 or whatever amount because I think the Holy Ghost is just fed up with it. And the funny thing is, if you, you follow a lot of these uh, faith healers and, and different uh, televangelists and whatnot, um, even Benny, Benny Hinn here, he, Benny Hinn's been known to go back and forth. He'll say, give me $1,000, I'll get rid of your debt. 
And then he turns around just a few years later and says that was an offensive thing to say and terrible. And it's actually been known, Benny Hinn has been known to, to flip-flop back and forth. Do this and you will find uh, great riches and wealth or you will find great health and longevity. And, and then he'll turn around and say, oh, no, I was wrong about it. And I, 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 feel, I feel bad for Benny Hinn for the fact that he actually struggles so much on such a simple subject, on such a simple truth and we're going to be looking at a a few different passages and a few simple facts and there's there's this again this passage itself is not anything complicated or um hard to follow um but again the the faith the faith that we find with men like benny hen and, and peter popoff is not the faith that we read in the bible there are too many frauds and fakes when it comes to, to these miracles. But with faith, faith begins with a need. Faith always begins with a need. Luke 8.43 said, And a woman having an issue of blood, twelve years which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Matthew 9.20, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, twelve years. Mark 5.25, And a certain woman which, wa- which had an issue of blood, uh, twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. The... I, and one of the things about this passage that I, I think that I can, in a sense, relate that any, any Christian, any person can relate to is that there are times where we will hit rock bottom. Uh, and and it's not rock bottom. Not, and uh, people will reach different types of rock bottom. Some people will reach rock bottom from their, their own doing, their own demise. And you, you kind of think of the prodigal son hitting rock bottom in a spiritual depravity uh, sort of way to where he hit rock bottom and it was his own doing. He put himself in that pig pen. He put himself eating with, um, with the pigs, eating their food. That was of his own doing. And, and there are times where we... <laughs> We will sadly put ourselves in our own um, own needful states. We'll all do that. We'll all make mistakes. We'll all put ourselves into those situations where we have to look to Christ and say, "This is my fault. I need help." But there are times where we find ourselves like this woman. Who knows what caused this? She could have been born with this ailment and it finally just worsened to the point where she couldn't do anything. It could have been the physician's fault. Because even when we look at Mark 5, it says that she had gone to a great amount of physicians and it actually got worse after the physicians had done their thing. So it could have been a, a simple, a rather simple ailment that she had and only gotten worse because maybe even the doctors themselves made it worse. But it wasn't just rock bottom in the sense of health and hopelessness. It was also rock bottom in the sense of she had spent all of her money. It paints a picture almost as if she has nothing left but the clothes on her back. And that's kind of the image that's painted here. 
to where you find this woman, and I can't help but read this passage and almost just imagine this, this woman like almost like crawling through the crowd trying to get to Jesus and just, just to touch the hem of his garment. Faith always begins with a need. Whether that's a need that is because we've put ourselves in that situation. Or maybe we've just been dealt a hand that, that we need to rely on, on Christ and, and, and uh, to, to, to have that uh, deliverance. But no matter what, faith always begins in a need. It begins in trials. Faith begins in suffering. Faith begins in challenging times. And I and I'll I'll actually share something right now. Uh, when I was in Bible college, it was my first my first semester in Bible college. I I didn't I didn't have really any money, and I was I, I was working really weird odd jobs trying to pay for college. And when you're doing full time college, and um, you're you're having to come up with, I mean fifteen fifteen hundred dollars a month. Uh, to pay for college, you can't take out a college loan. You can't do any of that kind of stuff. You have to work through, um, through through college. It was a Bible college, and I got to my my through my first semester, and and they told me, Sam, you can't you can't start the spring semester until you pay off what you owe from from last semester. And I remember just just kind of sitting there in the middle of winter in high desert. It's cold in the evenings, and and just feeling hopeless. And just helpless, and and I couldn't do anything. I, if I could work seventy-two hours straight and have five hours off and work another seventy-two hours straight, I'd, I'd try doing it. But there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can do that to help yourself out. And and there's um, there's times where you just you, you you've done all you can, and you have to have um, you have to rely on others to to help you. And and my family, my dad was still in the navy, and um, didn't, wasn't making that much. And I, it, it just was one of those things where I didn't have anyone to help. And it was that winter I found myself hopeless and helpless with, I think it was good night. It was like two, some between two and $3,000. I don't know. It was something around like $2,000 or something like that and change. And I just, I was down to a few days. And then it was my, one of those things where I was looking at going back home and giving up on Bible college just because I couldn't afford it. February 2nd, 1685, the monarch King Charles II, which is ironic that we have King Charles III now, King Charles II awoke unable or unwilling to say a single word, his face pale as death five days doctors and physicians tried to help one one physician drained 16 ounces out of him of blood but no improvement one doctor gave him a potion of bozor stone from a goat's stomach and no improvement one doctor gave him spirits of a human skull but no improvement there were more than 60 remedies tried to heal him. And on the sixth day, he finally passed away. 
what what is it that we need in our our lives today what is it that you need help with sadly there are times where we will wake up kind of like king charles there was no sign he was healthy one day woke up next the uh, sick the next day and something was obviously wrong sometimes these needs will come immediately and by surprise Sometimes these needs will will come from our own doing. But what need is it that you have today? Is it something born in finances? Something about security, family issues, a job, your home? A man and I have needs. We have things that we're praying about, things that we're trying to take care of. Life, it, I don't know, is there ever a point in life where you have no needs or any troubles? I, I don't think I've ever remember a time in my life where everything was, was sunflowers and puppy dogs. And there's always something that we have to pray about. There's always something that we need God to give us guidance through. In fact, Job recognized that in Job 5.7, he says, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. It seems like throughout life, trouble is like those sparks. It's, it's immediate. It's, it, it's kind of an intimidating. It's, it's kind of just uh, um, uh, overwhelming. I do a lot of brazing and welding. And the funny thing is, is even though I've been doing it for two years now, that flame, every time I go to start that flame on that torch, you got that gas and you can hear it going, click, click, click. And I always, no matter what, I always, uh, 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 uh. Uh, there's there's always trouble with man even from birth there is difficulties that we will face and what needs is it that we have in our lives today but of course the great thing is is with those needs they they give us an opportunity for a miracle to take place they give us that uh, opportunity to see god to see us through um, in fact, uh, Luke 5, um, and I think it's 18, it says, And behold, men brought in a bed of a bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they would might bring him in because of the multitude, they were upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the mist before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, "Man, thy sins be uh, uh, thy thy sins are forgiven thee." And if you read the rest of that passage, it actually is, is a rather lengthy passage because the Pharisees step in and say, "Who are you to forgive uh, sins?" and um, and you see Christ and the Pharisees go back and forth, and Christ finally heals the man of palsy, also to prove a point to. Um, to the Pharisees, but how amazing is it that these friends got together and saw a need in their friend? And I kind of wonder, who is it that, that kind of convinced the other guys? Who was the first one to, to hatch that idea? I wonder if it's the man with palsy. Maybe they were all friends before that man came down with palsy. Maybe it was one of the four men that had compassion for someone he had known most likely for years. 
And the funny thing is, is not only is that man with a need, but I guarantee you that those four men themselves that helped that man with palsy, I guarantee you they had something they wanted to see Christ about. Didn't they? No doubt. But just like faith needs uh, uh, trouble, faith needs uh, suffering, faith needs the right focus. Faith needs the right focus. I'm sorry to tell you this, but Benny and Peter are not the right type of focus when it comes to faith. Those are not the men that we should put our faith in. And really there are no men that we, men or women that we should put our ultimate faith in, but that of Jesus Christ. Luke 8.44 says, And came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. Matthew 9.20, And behold, a woman which was diseased with the issue of blood twelve years came and behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Mark 5.27, When she had heard of Jesus, came in the, uh, the press behind. And when you look at these passages... It's amazing to see that this woman needed the smallest amount of Jesus. She needed the smallest amount of Jesus to do this great miracle. And the funny thing is, is you think of like the, the, the disciples themselves. They argued amongst themselves over Jesus. I am the greatest and I will be the greatest in heaven. Who I'll be the one to sit on the right hand of God. And this woman... She just, she just simply wanted to touch the hem of his garment. If I, could, if I could just have a moment of his time, I know he will heal me. And the funny thing is, is, is faith has that aspect of, of faith only needs a, a little bit. It, faith only needs that little bit to do some of the largest things in our lives. In fact, we're told that faith is like a what? A mustard seed. If, if you've never seen mustard seed, mustard seed is incredibly small. This woman had the faith of a mustard seed. If I can just, if I can just touch. She wasn't saying that, oh, if Jesus says this abracadabra and, and gives me this and does this and does that, maybe I'll have Maybe it'll do, if I could just touch, if I could just just grab the hem of his garment, I will be healed completely. She had the right focus, and that focus was on Christ. Sadly, and, and I don't know, I don't know her story exactly. I don't know if she knew about Jesus the whole time. I don't, we don't know how, uh, I mean, she had this, this illness for 12 years, but maybe she had finally just heard of Jesus Christ before she came to him. The timing may have been unique in that sense, but I, I almost had this feeling that he was a, uh, Jesus Christ for her was a last resort because she had already tried everything and she was hopeless. And then she finally heard of Jesus Christ.
I kind of imagine it, and, and I might be reading in between the lines in that. That's a little bit of a liberty that I'm taking right now at the moment. I won't lie. But Jesus Christ does not want you to wait 12 years. He does not want you to wait 12 years to put your faith in him. And I don't mean just in the sense of faith and salvation, but faith in the daily things and the needs that you have right now. Don't let him be your last resort. She had gone through physician after physician after physician. Of course, a focused faith leads to deliverance. And we've already read the passage multiple times. Uh, I, I won't belabor it. But when we read those three passages, every single one of them, you have this, this moment where Jesus Christ feels that virtue. He feels that, that momentary faith cry to him and he return return in part it's only until we have that right focus that we'll see that miracle take place in our lives where we will be delivered and I couldn't help but but think what it would have been like to just witness the scene everyone's confused what, what is he talking about? I'm, we're all like, we're all huddled together. We're all touching him. We're all rubbing up against him. And then it's a big crowd. It's, I mean, we're all bumping into him. We're all kind of, we're all elbow to elbow. Have you ever been in a, a tight crowd? I mean, it's, it, that's one thing that drives me nuts. So like we go to Costco and there's a, a massive crowd in Costco. And I'm just like, get away from me. Don't touch me. I, I just hate crowds. I do. I, I, I don't mean to be rude or mean or anything. I just, I love people, but like I, I've got a personal bubble. I always hate it when people kind of invade that personal bubble you have. But everyone was invading Christ's personal bubble. But the funny thing is, is it's this woman was the only one that tapped into something that no one else was tapping into. Everyone else was touching Jesus, but nothing was happening. It was her faith that made her different. It was her faith in Jesus Christ. And I wonder what doubt that they had. Like I said, everyone has needs. If you had the opportunity to sit down with Jesus Christ and actually have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, oh man, there's all of us can go through a laundry list of things that we'd like to have. Uh, I'm not just like, but needs that we have. And that's true for everyone. But the funny thing is that it's this woman that was able to tap into that. Tap into that virtue that Jesus Christ gave to her. And he stops the whole crowd. I, just, I couldn't help but just imagine what it would have been like to, to just either witness or be a part of that. And I, I, maybe I would have been one of those too. Maybe I would have been like Peter and, and, and saying, well, everyone's touching you. Everyone's thronged up and, and whatnot. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. 
Let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to every one that helpeth with us and laboreth. Faith has focus, but there's also work that's entailed with faith. The house of Stephanus was not just a house of, of, of ministry, but no doubt Stephanus was a house of faith. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for, it, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice that, uh, than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it uh, he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not be uh, should not see death, and was not found because God had translated uh, him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's so much that we can talk about in that passage right there. There's so much to talk about Hebrews 11. There's one verse here that I hear a lot of people quote, and I actually heard it quoted many times as a teenager. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until Bible college that I actually heard someone quote the full verse. Verse 6 says, and I'll read it again, but without faith it is impossible to please him. That's how I always heard people quote it. But the funny thing is, is there's more to that verse, isn't there? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That is that woman. That verse perfectly describes who that woman is. We all know that part of the verse, but without faith it is impossible to please him. We all know that. We've all heard that quoted many times. But the funny thing is, is when I was in Bible college, I finally heard the rest of that verse. And it hit me. It's, it's one thing to know that you have to have faith to please him. But it's, it's a whole thing entirely to come to God, believe that he is, and that he's going to reward you. That was the difference between that woman and everyone else. Everyone believed that he was Christ. But only she was the one that believed that he was a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now granted, she didn't have Hebrews 11 to to lean on. But it it was kind of amazing to me when I was in Bible college, when I finally realized that I believed God was who he says he was, but I didn't believe that he was a rewarder of them that diligently sought him. And that's where my faith was incomplete. 
That's where I was coming up short. That's where I was like everyone else that was crowded around Jesus, but nothing was happening. And that's where I started seeing differences in my own life. And when I was in Bible college, because that was actually about that same time I had that 2000 and something dollar. Um, uh, it was about 2000 and something dollars that I owed for, for my bills to be able to start in the next semester. And it was at that time that I started asking God that he would um, deliver me out of that situation and provide for me financially. And that was when I finally believed that God was a rewarder of them that diligently sought him. And the funny thing is, is I started telling people back in Washington State where I was from, I said, hey, can you guys pray for me? I've got this bill that has to be paid within, it was like eight, ten days. It was like ten days, I think, if I remember correctly. That bill has to be paid off in ten days, or I'm not going to be able to, to continue Bible college, and I'm going to have to come home. And I started telling a lot of my friends and that kind of stuff. I just told them, hey, can you guys pray for me? And I was asking God, I believe that you're God. I believe that you, you um, reward those that diligently seek you. And I'm just going to ask that something happen. And the funny thing is, is I think it was three days later, I got a phone call from my friend. And I didn't tell him exactly how much money I owed. I just told him it was about $2,000. And it was something like... Um, it, there was change. It was like 154 and 72 cents or something like that. And the funny thing is, is he calls me later, three days later, and he says, hey, Sam, we're praying for you. We went ahead and collected some money. So, no, no, what are, you guys, what are you talking about? I didn't ask you guys to, to, to collect anything from me. I just asked for prayer. He's like, no, we, we put something together for you, Sam, and we hope it helps. I was like, well, I appreciate it. And he said, well, what we've done is we've put together this amount of money. And the funny thing is, is he didn't know how much I needed exactly. And he actually just told me my bill down to the cent, down to the penny. That's it. That's what we put together. I hope that's, I hope that's enough. And I was like, are you kidding me? It's exactly what I needed down to the penny. And it was that moment I started to realize like this woman, that I, I had to believe God when he says who he, he says he is. But I also need to believe that he does what he says he does. And shortly after that, there was a passage that I started always quoting to myself. And it's James 1, uh, chapter 1 and verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Again, like we were talking about before, what do you need? What do you need to, to display faith, to practice faith? You need to have problems. You need to have needs. You have to have trouble. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven in the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. 
A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We all have problems. We all have needs. And this miracle can be tapped into any time. It's something that he's given, given us readily and available. I, I hope that our lives are described not like the, uh, the disciples that hung out with Jesus, that seemed religious. And they spent time with Jesus, but there wasn't really much difference that was being made in their lives. But I hope we be like the woman with the illness, with the troubled blood, that has a need and has the faith and the focus and the drive to rely on him, to push through the crowd and say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, to, to believe that Hebrews 11.6 is true, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Because I know that woman did. I know that woman believed that. And I believe that's the difference that she had between her and those, those other people there. Let's go to the word in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for what you've done for